Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Global Geek News Podcast. This is episode number 25 of the Global Geek News Podcast. As always, I am your host, Jeremy Bray, alongside my co-host, Wesley Faulkner. How's it going, Wesley? Hi, Jeremy. I'm doing well. I'm at home, not on the road, as I was for most of the last few days. Yeah, I've got to say, I don't know how many people have been following your Twitters and Facebook posts and everything, but it sounds like you've been quite through quite an ordeal with, with Mazda. Not just that. I was at the uh, Inbound Marketing Summit last week in Dallas. So um, the week, so the, I've been to Kingsville, Texas, back in the same day. Dallas, back the next day. And then Corpus Christi, and then back. And so uh, each one of those trips were, was uh, uh, probably nine hours plus. That, that's more driving than I care to do. That's for sure. Same, same here. <laughs> Only one of them was by choice. Yeah. How was the marketing event? It was awesome. Uh, I got to hang with Chris Brogan, uh, awesome guy. Um, I, I, I really, really am uh, motivated by by what he says and what he stands for, and and continually am impressed by what caliber of a person he actually is. That name sounds real familiar, but I can't place it. Uh, he is a blogger that has ri- risen to social media notoriety for being a, an expert in this in the space. I guess, hmm. uh, even though he'll say, and most people say that there are no experts, he would probably be one of the top few. Hmm. Mm, okay. Yeah, and I, I, I knew that name sounded real familiar, but I couldn't think of what it was coming from. For some reason, I was thinking he was somebody on G4 or something like that. No, he's a uh, an ex techie, uh, worked in like I think tech support back in the day, uh, did a lot of enterprise support, and then started blogging. And his blog got hot, and he was able to quit his regular job and become a full time blogger. Hmm, well, that's pretty cool. Well, I would say we've got. Uh plenty of stories, so I suppose we should probably go ahead and get right into them. Oh, actually, there is one thing I do want to announce. I haven't announced this on my Twitter or anywhere. I wanted to save this specifically for the podcast. I am writing somewhere else now besides the Global Geek News blog. (gasps) You're moonlighting? A little bit. Um, I am now writing over at TechV. Oh, with Randall Bennett. Good guy. That I am. And that he is. Yes, I am writing over there. I've, I've been doing it for what's it, about two weeks now. Right now, I've lately he's just had me um, just to get me going, along with every, pretty much everybody else on the site, uh, posting links throughout the day with a couple sentence summaries of news that happens to pop up. Although I'm going to be, he's going to have me starting to write weekly. Uh, longer posts, I would assume probably similar to what I do on the Global Geek News blog, so I have another outlet to express my opinions. Wow. That's, that's, a, that's a good publication. I, I, I know uh, Randall pours his, his heart and soul and his blood into to Tech V, and uh, I'm, I'm glad that you're associated with that. Yeah, I, I was kind of surprised. It was just one of the guys that I hang out in a chat room with all the time he just happened to mention that they were looking for writers over at TechV, and at that point I knew nothing about the site or Randall or anything, and checked it out for a couple of days and told him I'd be interested, and he put me in touch with Randall, and it didn't take long after that before I was up and going on it. And it, it, it I gotta have to say, it's a great site, and it's got some things on it what I'd actually kind of like to do with the Global Geek News blog, but I don't want to do anything do any major changes to the blog just yet but if you want to yeah. I, I i personally can vouch for randall um, i met him about a year and a half ago at ces um really good guy knows what he's talking about has really good business sense um actually um i'm an admin for the TechVi fan page on facebook oh really yeah i didn't know that yeah, from the conversations I've had with him on the phone, he seems like a really great guy, and I and I'm excited to be working with him. 
especially the more he tells me about the stuff that he's done in the past. But yeah, this so this is like my first actual kind of semi major publication that I'm actually writing for, which I'm excited about. Yeah, and you'll be perfect for it. I'll I'll make sure I subscribe to your post there. Oh, that works. I don't, I didn't know. I don't know if you can subscribe to an individual's post or not. I, I would assume so. And actually, that reminds me, I haven't posted anything today, and I need to get some posts up after the show. But anyway, oh, and also, I haven't posted anything new on the Global Geek News blog for the past week. Things have been a bit hectic, but I will get something up in the next day or so. I do have a few ideas for some posts, one, and especially regarding E3 which we'll talk a little bit about here in a few minutes. But anyway, I guess we'll go ahead and jump right into the news, unless there's anything else you would like to cover. Nope, let's jump right in. Okay, well, for our first story, which I wasn't even thinking to bring up, uh, Windows Microsoft is going to be shipping Windows 7 on October 22nd. Um, I'm not sure how big of a surprise this date is. It seemed like I remember uh, there was a leak or somebody from, I think it was Asus UK that said, was it, no, it was Acer UK that said that on, I think, October 23rd, anybody who bought, uh, or that it would be available by the 23rd, I think. Either that or there was Mm -hmm. an upgrade thing. I think it was that they said it would be available on October 23rd. Yeah, they released a, a new laptop, if I remember correctly, and it said it will have Windows 7 and the laptop will be available on that date. Yeah. Well, up until now, Microsoft's just been saying, it'll be out by the end of the year, it'll be out by the end of the year. Everybody figured, well, at the rate they were going, it'd probably be out by July, or at least they would get the RTM by then. Uh, But now they're officially announcing that October 22nd is the release date of it, which I'm glad to see. I've been using Windows 7 for several weeks now. Actually, I've been using the the release candidate about since it came out on my main desktop after my Vista installed just became nothing but blue screens and my Windows 7 is install is becoming that as well but that that's I'm hoping a separate issue I don't know but I've been using Vista or Windows 7 ever since the beta came out and I gotta say it is a wonderful wonderful operating system probably the best that's ever been made yeah, it's it's really close to that, and then, and then um, I also would like to see exactly um, how they're going to release it. Uh, there's been talk about it being modular and being able to rip parts of it out um, and to make it a slimmer Windows. Uh, I have not seen that in some of the bills that I've seen uh, as of late. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what the last last release will look like. Um, so they said October 22nd and there's going to be some time before they have to send the gold copy over to be pressed and packaged and be shipped to all the shelves for that October 22nd release date. So what does that put us, that probably puts us back into, what, the end of August for a gold release probably? I don't know. I'm not sure how it usually works with Windows and stuff, but I know usually for video game software, uh, when it goes gold, is about three weeks before release. Well, yeah, but we're talking worldwide release yeah. here. Multiple languages, everything. Um, and we're talking also uh, special copy protection. And for a game, I think there are more copies of Windows probably than any one game release. So I think they have to uh, not just stock for the first day, they also have to stock for... Um, you know, a continual press to make sure that there are no shortages. But it, also, you know, shortages shortages are the new black. Yeah. So <laughs> maybe that would be something they're looking forward to. Yeah, I, I'm. what I'm waiting for is to hear on the price. I'm Supposedly it's going to be more expensive than Vista is, which doesn't really thrill me, but I have connections inside of Microsoft. I can get it for cheaper anyway, so I don't really care that much but I am just kind of curious to know how much it goes for, especially the Windows 7 Starter Edition, which is supposed to be the the, um, stripped-down piece-of-crap version of Windows 7 that you don't get all the arrow interface. Um, Apparently they have gotten rid of the three-app limit on it, so you can run as many apps as you want instead of originally it was planned to only run three apps at a time 
although I I got to looking into the details of it the other day, and you're not even allowed to change the wallpaper on the desktop on Windows 7 Starter. Yeah. I just can't yeah. imagine that. Why would that be such a major feature that you'd want to disable it in, in something as stripped down as that? I think for two two reasons. One, um, when people physically, you know, pick up your computer, they'll say, "Oh, you must be running the starter edition because you have the same default background." And I think they'll sh- it's it's a way of shaming them into upgrading. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm guessing there'll be a way to hack around that. I mean, there always seems to be. Uh, and I think the other one is that you'll get tired of looking at it and then want to upgrade. Uh, but they have to figure out what they what they can take away that won't. Uh, won't cripple the system and that people still can use it and yet still have that 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 nag to upgrade. Yeah. Well, the starter edition is supposed to be primarily for netbooks more than any more than anything. Although I've been running the um I've got both I've had the beta on it and I've got the release candidate on my Acer Aspire 1 netbook right now and it's and the release candidate and the beta have all been Windows 7 Ultimate, so it has no problem running the higher-end stuff with all the arrow and everything. I, I would say it almost runs it as good as my gaming desktop does. That's just how good Windows 7 is. But I think this whole idea is kind of summarized. If you Have you ever read the book Predictably Irrational? Yes. Well, I, I've heard of it. I, I have not read it, but I, I've heard plenty of quotes from it. Yeah, that's definitely a book you could you should check out. Um, I, I think I've linked to it before, but if you go on Amazon.com, look up Predictably Irrational by Dan Ariely. I, I think he was a professor at MIT, if I remember right. Goes through... Yeah, I think, it, I think it's an yes, Audible, too. Yes, that's actually where I ended up um, first checking it out, was it was an Audible book. Uh, the, it was just a recommendation by Kevin Rose as the physical book and I checked it on Audible and it was there and that's how I first listened to it but he goes through talking about all these different irrational things that a lot of times people take advantage of. In this case Microsoft is using this um, Windows 7 starter which is a piece of junk to basically upsell and make all of the other additions above it look better so that you'll be willing to spend more money to actually get something halfway decent. Yeah, I heard that was the same kind of thinking with the Kindle DX. Yeah. That they're coming out with a bigger, more expensive to make the the quote unquote cheaper one more attractive. Yeah, yeah, it can it can certainly go either way. That said, I'm still kind of debating if I want a Kindle DX. If I do, I'll sell my regular uh, Kindle two and get it just to try and offset some of the cost. But I I'm not totally sold on the Kindle DX yet, even though it comes out end of this week or next week, I think, something like that. But Yeah, well, Microsoft, this version of 7 is coming out later on this year, and um, also a lot of announcements coming out of E3 about some other upcoming products. Yeah, I, for anybody that knows me, knows that E3 is like my Christmas. It's like my Christmas, my Thanksgiving, my 4th of July, my birthday, everything all just kind of wrapped into a three-day period. I've, for the past, I don't know how many years, I've usually spent the week of E3 glued to my computer, watching every second possible of E3 coverage. Well, yesterday was the Microsoft's press conference, today was Nintendo and Sony's conference, and for... Um, which you can find out all the different things that have come about on uh, GameSpot. Or yeah, GameSpot has probably some of the best coverage, as well as IGN, and I'm sure Kotaku does has has quite a bit too. But one of the major things that came out of uh, Microsoft's conference yesterday, and there's was a number of things for the 360, like Facebook integration, Twitter integration, all kinds of different stuff. It, it, Microsoft's conference was the blow-your-mind conference. I I sat there going, holy crap, in my chair for over an hour after it finished. But they announced Project Natal, which I don't know how many of you paid attention. About a month or so ago, there was somebody, I think it was like in the New York Times or Wall Street Journal or something like that, that, or I think it was New York Times, that leaked an image 
of what looked like a sensor bar for the Xbox 360 sitting underneath a TV, mm-hmm. kind of similar to the Wii, the Wii sensor bar. Well, they right or the um, or the eyesight, um, not the eyesight, but the doesn't doesn't the PlayStation have a the iToy camera, a camera too, iToy. Yeah. That's it. Well, yesterday they announced this project, which is called Project Natal, and it's not quite a sensor bar in the way that the Wii bar is a sensor bar for the remote control. This makes you the remote control. So any hand gestures you have, any movements with your entire body is basically what it reads. So you could be walking back and forth, and characters on the screen could be actually watching you walk back and forth. And a lot of it's even voice-activated, so you can tell it to like navigate through menus and play movies from your Netflix queue and whatever. I mean, it is some amazing stuff. If you go on the show notes on globalgeeknews.com, click the link. That'll take you to the official Xbox page that has all the videos and stuff that they demoed with it, and it is amazing. And some of the things that you said that it has a voice recognition, um, it's not just to understand commands, but to understand and differentiate between different people in the room. So you could say something and it'll know it's different from the person next to you saying something. Um, and from some of the mock-ups here, it looks like it does like a real-time mocap. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, does like a little ri- wireframe drawing over you to show you how it's reading your motions. Um, the biggest thing that that kind of blew my mind is uh, they have one demo here where a person walks up to their Xbox 360. It knows it's you. It cho- it chose the right avatar and uh, said that there was an incoming call. And the person said they answered the call, and it was their buddy, and they were able to have face-to-face chat. And she mentioned that she chose a dress that that she thought would look good on her friend, and she was able to drag it out of her catalog or her library and push it onto the avatar, and rotate rotate it around and says, "Oh yeah, that dress does look nice on me." So that it that that's that's. Amazing. Yeah, this stuff. The past two years of E3, I thought have been kind of disappointing, but this one, I, I would say this could be the best E3 of all time. Although I will say, Nintendo's press conference this morning was an extreme disappointment, but, or at least compared to both Microsoft and Play, um, and Sony, but yeah, this stuff is absolutely amazing and. I almost don't want to see it on a game console at this point. I would rather see this on actual computers and and be able to use it for actual computing rather than just for game stuff. I mean, it's great for... It looks to be great for games, assuming this works as advertised, which I think is the big sticking point. But I think this could make um, huge improvements in actual computing if if this could be hacked or whatever and turned into like a preferable for a computer yeah this is the future if it can run on a game console of course it can run on a computer Um, I mean as soon as the Wiimote came out how many times have we seen hacks that look just like the Wiimote for a a computer Um, and so didn't didn't Asus uh, have an emote that they were coming out with that looked just like a Wiimote um it seems like I remember seeing something. I remember seeing the image, but I don't remember anything about it. Yeah. Well, did did you hear? So I didn't listen to the press conference. You apparently mm-hmm. did. Did they say when this will this was coming? Out? Uh, this I don't believe they did. I I know it's supposed to be in the works. This is kind of showing it off. They even brought Steven Spielberg on stage to talk about how amazing it is, but. Sony, in their press conference today, had something similar, although in their case you actually still had the remote in your hand. It was more like a Wiimote kind of thing, but it seemed to have the accuracy of what the Wiimote does with the Wii Motion Plus, and you can do stuff in more of like a 3D space than you can with the Wiimote. With the Wiimote, you can just kind of point it in directions and stuff, and you don't have a real... Um, you can't really act with it in 3D as far as like depth and stuff while with the new um, mm-hmm. 
Sony version, which I don't know if it just uses iToy plus the special remote or what, but I believe they said that was supposed to start coming out in January, and it and it's it seemed like to me it was like kind of a cross between Project Natal and the Wiimote kind of, and it and it seemed pretty impressive. Well, with all these consoles, these I don't know if you consider the Wii a next gen console or not, but you you mentioned already the the Motion Plus, and I heard that there might be a, a Wii a Wii um, uh, that board, the Wii yes, Fit Plus. Yes, the Wii. That's uh, and been announced. Wii, the Wii Fit Plus as well. Right, and then we have this Project Natal. Uh, then you have the thing from Sony with all these peripherals for this current generation con- consoles. What's the incentive of buying a new console now? And also, if you do buy a new console, do you have to buy new peripherals to go with those two to be able to have the same features with this older consoles? With with them continuously updating the 360 with you know Netflix, movies, and then they're going to be Zoom integration, Twitter, Facebook, all this stuff that they're packing into this this what three four year old platform. What's the motivation of getting? the Xbox 720 or whatever the next version is going to be called. You know, up until probably yesterday when Project Natal was announced, I figured we would see announcements for a PlayStation 4 or an Xbox 720 or whatever probably next year. That was what I was thinking. But with these major uh, leaps in interface that they're making, now I'm not so sure. I mean, Sony has always talked about its 10-year life cycle for its products. Uh, the PlayStation 2 is in its ninth year, although they said today that even though it is in their ninth year, with as good as it's selling, and it's still outselling all, a good number of the consoles and portables, whatever, they're, they're not going to kill it at 10 years. As long as people still want the PlayStation 2, they're still going to support it. And uh, the PlayStation 3 still has that 10-year uh, life cycle on it, but considering how many years ago the PlayStation 3's been out uh, as kind of as kind of a replacement for the PlayStation 2, I, I, I had assumed there would be a new console at least announced next year, but with all these changes and what can be done with the current machines, I, I don't see any new consoles being announced next year. I don't even see necessarily the need for it. Um, the Xbox, I would say there could possibly be a need there, just because, uh, technically speaking, the PS3 is far superior between the Blu-ray player, the, um, oh, now I can't even think of the chip that's in it. It was on the, t- on the, yeah, oh, the that's cell it. chip. Um, between the cell chip and everything, that there's stuff that you can do on a PS3 that you just can't do on a 360, I would say we'd be more inclined to see a uh, new Xbox before we would a new PlayStation. But now with all these changes and the fact that they're not even coming until at least the first part of next year, I, I would say we're going to see these consoles around for a little while longer. That said, yeah. the new PSP Go was announced this morning, which is even Sony joked about in the thing that it was the worst kept secret of E3 because it was video of it was leaked, was it Friday or Saturday on YouTube from the June issue of Core, which is PlayStation 3's uh, (laughs) video show with Veronica Belmont, of her getting to check out the new PSP Go. And I can't say that I'm sold on it. I like it. It seems a little on the small side for me, but I'm, I'm not sure I'm sold on it, though. It the one the one thing it really has going for it is it's got a 16 gigabyte internal flash memory instead of so you're not and it doesn't have a UMD player which is a huge plus for me because I'm tired of DV, the UMDs breaking. I don't know how, how do you have a PSP? No, uh, no, no. I have two of them. I'm glad I have them both. I've one of them I bought off of eBay. The other one I got it at launch day. I was like the second person in town to get a hold of one. And for some reason, a lot of the UMDs, they have their discs encased in plastic, and the front clear part of the plastic keeps breaking and making the UMD essentially useless as to where it only works like about three-fourths of the time because the disc doesn't sit right inside of the UMD casing. And it, and I'm just glad that they're finally moving to digital downloads, 
although it won't take long to fill up 16 gigs of space, especially when they're going to be allowing TV shows and movies to be downloaded as well. Although I believe there still is the memory disk slot, so you can use as different as many memory cards as you as you want. Yeah, but I'm wondering if the if pirating will become rampant after that. Sony's had a heck of a time with piracy when it comes to the PSP. Ever ever since it came out, as soon as they essentially release a new firmware, hackers tend to have it broken. At first, I think it took them a little while, but then it got to the point where within 24 hours of them having released a new firmware, they've already got it decrypted and are starting to work on workarounds and hacks and everything for making custom firmware and everything. The newer PSPs make it a whole lot more difficult, especially the PSP 3000, um, which I believe Chicken, which is the new um, homebrew thing that allows you to play homebrew uh, software on it, works on the PSP 3000. Personally, homebrew and stuff is the reason I'm sticking with my PSP 1000. Um, but as far as the piracy problem goes, a lot of people are putting on these custom firmwares and stuff so that not only can they play their um, homebrew, which is nice for when you want to play your old emulators for like SNES, NES, uh, Sega, you name it, they've even got an emulator in the work for the works for the Nintendo 64. But you can also play ISOs, which that's actually kind of almost a selling point for a lot of people. I mean, that's I've honestly gone to only piracy on the PSP. I I generally speaking, I prefer to purchase my games. I usually like to have a physical disc most of the time, unless if I can get a game on Steam. But when it comes to the PSP, after having all of my stupid UMDs continuously breaking, I've gone to where I just download the games myself on Mini Nova or wherever they happen to show up. And I know a lot of people with the with the same problem with the UMDs that are, that are doing the exact same thing that I am. So I, I think if by eliminating that problem, they could um, lessen the problem. Although I'm sure they're going to have a whole lot more in the way of security checks on the new PSP Go to even eliminate that much. Any of the homebrew games that you play or downloaded, any of them by chance Tetris? Uh, no, I don't think so. Normally I keep my... Uh, I've got a whole library of Game Boys. I've got like every Game Boy with the exception of the um, SP, Advanced SP, ever made... And some of them, like the original Game Boy, I've got like three of them. So I'm every once in a while I'll break out my original Game Boy or something like that and play some Tetris on it. Yeah, I think there's been a version of Tetris at least for every single game console in some form or another um, for the last 25 years since it was uh, since it's been invented and released. Yeah, if I remember correctly, Tetris is the most ported game of all time. Usually whenever um, people start doing homebrew on different things like the PSP or whatever, one of the very first apps for it was a Tetris game. Any, practically any system that you can play a game on, it, they have at least one Tetris clone of some kind. Although you're not allowed to call it anything with Tris in it because of copyright issues and people tend to get sued over it quite often and everything. But Tetris has officially turned... 25 years old, what was it yesterday, I think? Was it yesterday or today? Which, I don't know how many people know the story of it. You can find out a little bit more about the story of Tetris in the link in the show notes. And if you go to Wikipedia and search Tetris, you can find out even more. It's, But it was created by a couple of guys, or one guy mainly, writing on a PDP-11 while he was in college in Russia. Yeah, it's sad that he, that the the ownership of the code or the license went to the Russian government because of of where it was developed. Mm-hmm. And and I remember uh, having uh, having having Tetris installed on my TI eighty three, or uh, in college. <laughs> it's it's I would say it's probably the equivalent of the uh, Hello World of the gaming community. Yeah, just about. I mean. There have been times when I've played around with code of making my own Tetris, but I don't 
I, I never got around to actually completing it. I've made some Pong games and whatever. But, yeah, it's pretty much anything you can find a Tetris clone for. I'm sure I've played it on my TI, I think it was an 84 or 85 calculator. I, you name it, I've played Tetris on it. I it, Mainly, I've always played it on my Game Boy. And to the point where I... There was a time there when I was really addicted to it as to where I would play it most of the day to the point that I was... I think my record was 303 lines was the best I've ever done on it. Wow. And it seems like through the history it's set several records. Um, it broke out, as you said, when the Game Boy was released. It shipped with every Game Boy as one of the default games. But one of the records that it has listed here that it set was the world record for the most jail time for a video game. Mm-hmm. Someone uh, didn't want to put it down when they were told to when they were flying, and they kept playing even though the, the flight attendants commanded the person not to. Yeah, I hadn't heard that story until now, but apparently Tetris, I'm assuming this is the official version, has sold 70 million copies around the world so far. And and I and it, I would say it's still probably one of, if not the top casual game ever made. And it's really, it's not geared towards hardcore gamers at all. It's really the first kind of puzzle casual game that ever really caught on. Yeah, um, I know that I've been addicted to it. I've played it several times. I've, I've haven't been into, haven't been on a computer that um, that I've been on for a long time that it hasn't that I haven't load, loaded it on, uh, except for the past few years. Um, I, I think Tetris got me through high school and college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now that I'm now I'm kind of in the mood to play some Tetris, I need to find what I did with it. I know I've got I know I've got yeah. enough Game Boys around here that I can find something to play it on when I find it. <laughs> yeah, make sure it's a legitimate coffee copy though. Um, apparently in Australia, um, there's a anti-piracy uh, movement to prevent children from uh, diving into the world of piracy. Yeah, this story just rubbed me the wrong way when I saw it this morning. I guess uh, groups like the MPAA, RIAA, IFP, MPA, BPA, um, I would assume Breen and whatever else, have decided to form another group called the Australian Federation Against Copyright Theft, which I get... A fact. Yeah. <laughs> which is apparently um, just a group for promoting the anti-piracy cause to the point that I guess they're going into school systems in hopes of teaching children that piracy is wrong. This seems way too uh, brainwashy to me. Well, I think if it's done wrong, and it probably will be done wrong, it's going to have the the opposite effect. Um, first of all, uh, back in the day, years ago, when I did phone tech support, I was always told, never say no. Don't ever say you can't do something. Always say what you can do. Mm-hmm. And if you teach people, don't do this, this is wrong, you get in a jail, um, it, it, it could feel that peop- feel, um, do the opposite effect of people feel that, oh, wow, there's nothing I can do on the mm-hmm. internet. Or even worse, which will probably happen, they'll introduce piracy to kids. So, hello, kids. There's this place, places you can go on the web where you can get anything you want for free. Don't do it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You can't. You can go and get whatever you want for free. Where, what are these websites? It might pique an interest and then turn people who, little kids who haven't heard about piracy, who haven't heard about copyright infringement, and say, wow, that sounds awesome. That's what I yeah. want. See, the way, when it comes to education, the way that I think is that if you're going to do something like this, fine, but present both sides of it. And if you present both sides of it and allow the kids to make up their own minds, then I'm fine with it. But if you're just trying to indoctrinate them by only telling them one side of the story in hopes that they do what you want to do, that I'm not for at all. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. It seems like Australia is the test bed for a lot of this What stuff. I don't understand is Australia has such small bandwidth caps as it is. Is piracy really that big of a problem down there? 
Huh. That's a very good question. I knew, very I've only good got question. like a couple gigs a month. I, they make Time Warner look generous. But <laughs> I, I really don't think that downloading movies and stuff is a real big problem down there when they've got such small caps. I know a lot of people don't even download podcasts because it would hurt their it would hurt their cap too much. Yeah, that's a good question. Of why this focus on this one country? I don't know if they're an easy target or uh, their government is just uh, right for this kind of of brainwashing or what. Um, but they're supposed to uh, submit more details about this program in the future, so I'd like to see how this is actually implemented. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. There, um, Australia kind of has a uh, firewall similar to the Great Firewall of China, so they tend to be kind of restrictive down there. So I'm, it, the, For down there, it doesn't surprise me that much just based on that fact, but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense that this is where they're targeting their efforts. Yeah, I think it's kind of uh, mm. ironic that the the island of criminals is where they're first going to try this yeah. attempt. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of criminals, apparently, um, uh, did I rearrange? Okay, yeah, I, I had an entrance into another story, but this one works too. Um, apparently you can be treated by criminals by the FCC or treated like criminals by the FCC if you have anything that puts off any kind of uh, wireless signal whether it's a router, cordless phone, remote remote car door opener, baby monitor, cell phone, whatever apparently the FCC claims the right to enter your home without a warrant day or night to inspect whatever wireless equipment you have so they can figure out if it's causing any interference with anything. Yeah, this is apparently part of the Communications Act of 1934. Uh, I think one of the, the... I think wireless technology was less prevalent back then. Yeah. Uh, so only major companies and corporations had kind of the technology to do this, and I, I guess they probably cost uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars or somewhere uh, in that range the, out of the reach of the average consumer. So I can see how that kind of made sense a little bit then, but it's just been grandfathered in all the way up to now. It's never really been tested. Mm-hmm. Um, this kind of reminds me of those laws like in Wisconsin that says that you cannot hunt whale from the road. <laughs> I mean, it, it just totally does not make yeah. sense. Well, see, actually, I kind of want to try out this law. I mean, you got... There's so many devices that are jam-packed onto the like the 800 megahertz spectrum and everything, where or 900 megahertz or whatever. That when you're like running your Wi-Fi router and a cell and uh, a wireless phone at the same time, it's going to cause interference. Or if you're running a microwave at the same time, it's going to cause interference. I almost just knowing that this clause exists in this Communications Act of 1934. I almost want to drive around to different neighborhoods when people are using a wireless phone or microwave or whatever, call the FCC, tell them to go investigate it because they're um, producing interference with my Wi-Fi signal. Yeah, this is definitely going to fall um, as soon as it's tested in the courts. Uh, I I think the courts would find that it would be unreasonable search and seizure. Uh, to go into a house without probable cause, uh, unless it was seriously causing some problems. For instance, if I uh, turned out a, a, a CB unit and uh, had so much power that it was interfering with local emergency radio signals, I can see how they would come to my house, and I think that would be reasonable. Um, but you have to—I'm—I'm I'm guessing you have to have some major, major equipment to. To pique the interest of the, the the interest of the FCC. Yeah, well, I think the major sticking point right now is the fact that right now they can do it without a warrant. I think if the law was changed that they would have to have a warrant to do it, then I think it would be a little bit more reasonable. Yeah, well, I know here in Texas anyway, um, there are weird laws about warrants. Um, uh, I don't think a game warden needs a warrant to 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 go on your property. Um, we have. 
only in Texas we have something called a TABC, mm-hmm. um, which is the alcohol police, and they don't need a warrant to go in either. Um, so, I, I, warrantless searches are something where the law is kind of fudgeable. Um, <laughs> and so, I mean, it, I, I guess that, that leads into our next story. Talk about Texas blogger jailed after failing to turn over her PC to a judge. Yeah, this one kind of funny. Apparently a blogger by the name, or a Houston-based blogger by the name of Lyndall Harrington, which I assume Lyndall is a woman's name. I think it, I think it was. But apparently she said yeah. some nasty things about Anna Nicole Smith's mother, which uh, resulted in a defamation lawsuit. Well, the court wanted her to turn over her computer as evidence, but apparently she failed to do so, saying that her computer had been recently stolen. And apparently the judge didn't go for that, thought that she was lying or whatever, so now she's sitting in a jail cell until um, she turns over the computer by July 2nd, or else, which who knows what or else means. But the judge seems to be, in my mind, a little bit unreasonable here. I mean, yeah, she might be lying, but at the same time, how is she, even if she did have the computer, how is she supposed to turn it over if she's sitting in a jail cell? Yeah, so apparently she spent Memorial Day weekend in the jail cell, uh, a Houston jail cell. She's a, a Houston blogger, um, and she says, I can't turn over what I don't have. But I, is it, it? this is a civil lawsuit suit, uh, because it is a defamation lawsuit. So I'm kind of curious as to why they needed her computer, because if it's a defamation suit about what she wrote on the blog, what is the computer gonna? What does the computer have anything to do with it? Uh, if it's on the web, it's out there. Is 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 the uh, the case whether or not she's denying she wrote what she wrote, and they need the computer for forensics, or what? What could they need the computer for? I think that's some. That's. I think this is a process called discovery. Will they where, where they build a case? And I think that's a little ex. Uh, little overreaching to ask for the computer itself. Yeah, it seems like maybe to me that this is a case of the judge not understanding blogging and the concept of cloud computing. I mean, a lot of the stuff, whether it, I mean, especially for me, everything I do is on WordPress, whether it's on the blog, the podcast, whatever. Even when I'm working on stuff on TechV, it's on WordPress too. Everything is on the cloud. Nothing. I never save anything locally. I don't do any drafts locally or anything like that. Everything is done in the cloud, so unless you have a keystroke logger on my computer, it wouldn't do you a whole heck of a lot of good to take my computer to examine it. Alright. So there's a couple of details that I was missing. Like, um, for one, I haven't, I haven't, I personally have not seen the original blog post. I've looked for it. I yeah, can't find here. it. Uh, second is... Um, I didn't. I have not seen the warrant, uh, or the uh, the demand, or the, the affidavit requesting a computer because it, uh, I wonder if it was required to return to submit the computer and its contents, and in what condition? Because I could take the hard drive out and still submit the, the computer. Yeah. So uh, what what are they? What did the what did the warrant cover, uh, or what did the the request cover, uh, depending on what the wording was? Uh, it could uh, it could really uh, depend on that as as to to what they're looking for specifically. Yeah, I I don't have a clue. I wasn't able to find anything, but this is certainly a kind of a dangerous trend because the number of blogger arrests around the world has tripled since 2006, and most people would think here in America you have freedom of speech. You don't have to worry about it as so much as like that blogger that was arrested in Egypt that twittered to mm-hmm. have his family save him. But that apparently doesn't protect you from everything around here. Yeah, where's the EFF? I'm surprised they're not in the middle yeah, of this. Yeah, now that the story's getting some press, I would think they would be offering their assistance. Yeah, I, I, she can. If I was her, I would look into suing. Um, the city uh, for 
arresting her unfairly uh, for contempt of court. I mean, um, also, I, I wonder, did she file a police report? Well, obviously, she had to file a police report about the break-in because there is testimony by the, the police mm-hmm. officer who said that it looked like the break-in was yeah. staged. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It seems like kind of a screwed-up story. I'm kind of curious to see where it goes. But Speaking of screwed-up stories... Our our fa- <laughs> recurring recurring screwed up yeah, stories. Our favorite company, Time Warner, has decided to change their terms of service in effort to try and sneak back in tier pricing and throttling that nobody seemed that everybody was all up in arms for the past couple of months. Yeah, they they're trying to rewrite history of in their fair favor. Um, you know what, in some ways I'm kind of glad they're doing this because the FCC already has their eye on them and now they're going and pulling this crap Um, we've talked several times about um, kind of like that FCC law we we talked about before about how they can raid your house Uh, we can't really test a law unless it's actually litigated so I hope they do something to trigger an FCC investigation and have this go all the way up to the Supreme Court if it needs to be, to to have some sort of law passed or precedent set that says that this kind of stuff should not ever, ever be passed. Yeah, this the way they did this is kind of the sneaky way, the way I look at it. And a lot of companies, if they want to change the way they do something or whatever, they'll just put in a little addendum in their terms of service saying that something is, that they're changing something, or they are allowed to do this, or not allowed to do this, whatever. But 99.9% of people don't bother to check the terms of service, even the first time when they sign up for the service, rather less on a regular basis to see if there's been any changes. I I don't know how many months ago this was. When the PlayStation Network last changed their terms of service... They sent me. They sent everybody that was on the PlayStation Network an email. Most of the people I know didn't read it. Even after they sent an email saying, "Hey, we changed the terms of service. Check it out." Nobody read it. It wasn't until I did a blog post on it and started posting about the blog post and all, and the and the various changes that they did on all of the various gaming and PlayStation Three forums that were around the internet that it actually started to get some traction and get posts and major blogs and actually get talked about and even then I don't think any changes really came of it but when Facebook changed their terms of services I think it was a couple of weeks before anybody even noticed that they changed it to what they did so if Time Warner's assuming that's going to be the case and people won't notice it for several weeks well they can go to the FCC and say well, we did this weeks ago. They didn't have any objection then. Why is it now that they're saying anything? They've been fine with these rules for several weeks now. I, I think that's kind of how they're trying to sneak this in there, but I have a feeling it's probably not going to work. Yeah, Slashdot, uh, being on Slashdot probably won't help them at all. I, I hope that the word gets out, and uh, I hope my friend Stacy Higginbotham will grab a hold of this like she did about the uh, the capping that they were trying to do yeah. here in Austin. Well, speaking of Time Warner, apparently they've decided to spin off the disaster known as AOL. Yeah, here on GigaOM, they they're they're trying to separate the company, and uh, I'm surprised that uh, I wonder if the internet division, the high speed internet, would fall under AOL or Time Warner. Um, I'm not sure of the high speed. I I know the dial up is supposed to be falling under AOL. I, I guess AOL is basically going to be considered um, the advertising content, social networking portion, as well as um, the internet connection business, I believe. Or the internet access business. So I'm guessing that includes both dial-up and the high speed. Which basically is the only way they really make money anymore. I don't think they really make it much from their web content or social networking or anything like that. Yeah, according to the story that Time Warner owns 95% of AOL, and the other 5% is held by Google. Um, apparently, um, 
Time Warner is going to buy that five percent stake and from away from Google. So Google uh, is agreeing to this for some reason. I don't know if I would ever agree to mm-hmm. selling it. Um, it it sounds like it'd be better for them to hold their five percent and prevent this deal from going uh, any further than it is. But uh, they're agreeable to that. Not, they're very nice people. Um, and it, this sounds a lot like um, with the, the the banking system, with uh, with the the toxic ass- assets, uh, creating a good bank, bad bank, and AOL would be the bad bank in this situation, and Time Warner would be the good bank where all the properties of any interest will stay with Time Warner. Yeah, well, this is the whole AOL Time Warner thing has been a screw up for the past what was it a decade that ago that it was made where AOL spent $147 billion on Time Warner, Yet, which that alone doesn't make any sense to me that it's Time Warner spinning them off, yet AOL was the one that bought Time Warner. Time Warner. Doesn't make any sense to me. Right. But it was just a couple of years later that the purchase had was basically 100, or it was 54, ended up being a $54 billion write-down because... AOL for years, ever since broadband has started to catch on, has basically just been a sinking ship. And they don't seem to have any direction or nowhere to go as soon as their dial-up or internet access business goes down the tubes. Yeah. This is right at the beginning of the bubble, of course. So it's easy to see that why there was a bubble with massive, massive uh, acquisitions such as this for over-evaluations of of these mm-hmm. companies. Uh, it's interesting to see if AOL will survive after this or not. Uh, I see that they're, uh, from this new deal, that they're still going to have a steady stream of money coming from Time Warner uh, to AOL to help them in their 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 break-off period and their transition to an independent company. Uh, to tell you the truth, I think AOL has some good content. I just don't think it's exposed in the right way, um, they're they're they need to find their new train and and, and jump on it. They need to find their niche. Uh, if they can find a way to make themselves more relevant, I think they actually do have uh, they do have a, a future. Uh, I know AOL Radio is still huge. Um, of course, their their people still use uh, their chat clients. Um, if they can find a way to, to tie what they have together and actually make themselves interesting again um, who knows they could be the, the palm of 2005 I think that's kind of their problem is they are they never did a good job of rebranding themselves I mean everybody when when you think of AOL the only thing I ever think of is a crappy ISP whose millions of CDs I used as coasters for years I mean, when it comes to AOL that's all I really think of and they've never done anything from that image from the 90s to actually propel them into something bigger or better or even just to plug some of the leaks in the sinking ship more than anything. Now the only properties that they own that I even have any familiarity with is AOL Instant Messenger and even that I think has gone downhill in terms of users because I almost hardly ever hear about it anymore and Winamp which I, for years, have been a huge Winamp fan and still use on a regular basis, even though I now use Zoom software, I still prefer Winamp most of the time. But really, those are the only things that AOL even owns anymore that I can think of that I even know about or use. Uh, well, Mozilla. Mozilla is a corporation that came, that came out of yeah. AOL. Yeah, I haven't thought about that. Um yeah, and so I mean they've they've done some good things and they can be innovative. The question is, you know, can they leverage that? You can't just have be a one-hit wonder. You have to continuously perform. And I think they've languished in their um, in their inactivity for all these years. They just need to get on the ball. And if there are some major successes that we just don't know about, that's not our fault. That's their fault for not letting us know what we should know about. Um, so maybe uh, a new marketing campaign, maybe a new rebranding, uh, maybe even uh, changing the name AOL to something mm-hmm. else. 
Uh, if Microsoft can do it with, with Live and change it to Bing, um, AOL can do it. Which, by the way, I still prefer the code name Kumo over Bing any day. But that, that's yeah. a whole other so. issue. Um, but, yeah. Well, and, and speaking of bringing ba- brands back from the dead, SystemX has relaunched CircuitCity.com now with much cheaper prices. I believe it's better shipping among another um, um, among many other things which have you checked out the new circuitcity.com I've looked at it I've glanced at it um, it does still have the same look and feel of circuit city but you can tell that the whole uh, e-commerce engine has been totally revamped um, I, I, I like these deals um, I like how it's very user friendly, very big icons, very big labels, and the price are price prices are actually pretty decent. Yeah, well, the circuit, the new CircuitCity.com, it's still got that overall look and feel, especially t- kind of towards the top. When you look at the images mm-hmm. for a lot of the products like TVs and stuff, they're the exact same images that Systemax uses on their other websites like TigerDirect.com and. Uh, CompUSA.com. Couldn't think of the name there for a second. And now that they're kind of all in that distribution network, now the prices are actually decent. It used to be where I would never buy anything from Circuit City, especially when it comes to any kind of PC component or anything like that, because they would be typically double the price of anything I could buy off of Amazon or Newegg or CompUSA, whatever, or just pretty much anywhere on the internet. Actually, it's Zip Zoomfly that I mainly shop that and Newegg, but I mean that—that's the reason I firmly believe they went out of business is because they had such high prices that they couldn't compete with—they couldn't even hardly compete with Best Buy, rather less anything on the internet. I mean, the only thing I would ever go in there for is whenever there'd be some decent DVDs in the bargain bin for five dollars, and that. That was basically the only thing that was a, at a halfway decent price at that store, and now finally they're bringing them down to like Tiger Direct pricing, which usually is pretty good pricing. Although, if you've ever had any experience with Tiger Direct, you know never to deal with anything with a rebate if you expect to actually get that money back. <laughs> yeah, I think that goes across the board with any online company. Um, but I think this is kind of a smart move because of the name recognition. So let's say I do a search for, um, like, let Laurie use the example that's in the screenshot is an iOmega one terabyte external hard drive. If I do a search on that on the open web, let's say I use Google Shop, whatever mm-hmm. it's called, um, if I'm a, a layman and I'm not very familiar with shopping on the internet, I might have the cheapest price being a company I never heard of, cheapest price in a company I never heard of, another cheapest price is a company I never heard of. And then I'll see Circuit City in the middle. Then I'll see uh, Tiger Direct, and I see CompUSA, and I say, "Oh, I know those. It's only ten dollars more, or I've heard of them before, and I trust them." And they'll have three entries automatically right next to each other. Um, people might gravitate towards. Yeah. Them. Well, I, I think Systemax has a little bit of an uphill battle, and I think they've kind of proven that they can take a bankrupt company, like the case with CompUSA and turn it back into first an online store like it used to be and then back into a retail chain where I think they're now running 30 some odd stores primarily in the south and I think they're working on slowly building their way back up to a national chain and I I think that's probably what they have planned for Circuit City but Circuit City got a whole lot more press when they closed down and went bankrupt than CompUSA ever did so I think they've got a really crank up the PR engine for letting people know that they're back, this is a different company, it's not the same people, it's run by somebody completely different, just the name is the same, and that things are actually at a decent price now, and that this is actually a good place to buy from now. Well, if you look at Systemax as a company before this whole this happened. You can see that some most of their business, especially through Tiger Direct, was done at the enterprise level. So highly efficient, highly scalable, and highly reliable. 
Uh, and if they do take that culture to the retail shop, I think mm-hmm. they will do well. Uh, if, if they have a, a, a highly consistent uh, experience when you go in the shop, you deal with people who are knowledgeable and products that are of, uh, of, of decent quality, I, I, and they can take the price of scale of all these shops in order to deliver lower prices because they can order in volume, I say that this is probably the model of the future of which it's an, it's not a brick and mortar going to the internet. It's an internet site that has mm. a brick and mortar brick and mortar location. Yeah, I and I, I think I mentioned this in the you know, it was the last show show before something like that when we were talking about this. Is that I think SystemX has some or Best Buy has some real competition in SystemX and it doesn't seem like they're putting their Putting themselves in a place where they can combat Systemax. I mean, Systemax is dominating the online side with Tiger Direct, CompUSA, and now Circuit City, but they're also starting to come back on the retail side because for years in certain areas around the country they've had their Tiger Direct stores, and now they've got 30 some odd uh, CompUSA stores, and I can't imagine it being that much longer before they start popping up some Circuit City stores again and when you've got two brands in the past that have been major competition for Circuit City, or I mean Best Buy essentially revitalized to both take them on at the same time, I think Best Buy is going to be in for a real world of hurt here in the next couple of years Yeah, it's going to be a good battle, but uh, I think with this fight, no matter what I think the consumer is going to win well, as long as it's got lower prices, I'm a happy person. So, yeah, and hopefully better service. I think um, this is all going to be experiences in the store, and as more and more people are making gadgets a part of their everyday life. I mean, if we look at the what in the next month, we will we'll, we'll, we're going to hear about the Palm Pre, we're going to hear about the new iPhone, we have the Zune HD coming out. We have that new Xbox. I mean, there's a lot of technology that people are going to try to incorporate into their life. And I don't think it's going to cut it to be the passive salesperson um, that we've been dealing with in these real t- re- retail locations. We're going to need people who can talk about this intelligently and be able to integrate all these different technologies into our life and uh, use them the way that we need to to be more yeah, efficient. Yeah, I, I completely agree. That was That's largely been my problem with both Circuit City and, and Best Buy in the past, and to a lesser extent CompUSA, but from what I hear of the new CompUSA stores, the experience is amazing. They got people that know what they're doing. They have internet connections on all the computers. You can even do comparison shopping in the store. They don't mind. I mean, supposedly they seem to have come up with a great formula for a retail experience, and I think that's what they really need if they are going to take on Best Buy, and I think they've come up with that formula. Yeah, yeah and I think with that, we're I out of time. I think so. I think we're running a couple minutes long, but not too bad. Um, don't forget, you can, of course, check out all the stories in the show notes at globalgeeknews.com. Don't forget to check out the Global Geek News blog at globalgeeknews.com slash blog, or just go to globalgeeknews.com and click on blog. Probably tomorrow sometime I will try and get up get my write-up on my thoughts on E3 up. Anything from the announcements to Project Natal to the PSP Go to Nintendo's just horrible conference where all they basically announced was a couple of Mario games and a new Metroid game, and that was it. Um, I'll put all that up. Plus, I've got some thoughts on some other stories that I'll get up. Don't forget to check out techv.com, T-E-C-H-V-I.com the other place that I am now writing at. Um, and I'm actually going to start blogging more on PCNerd37.com, so make sure to check that out as well. And follow me on Twitter. And I know for a long time I've been plugging my fin- friend feed. You don't have to follow me on friend feed anymore. I don't care if you unfollow me on friend feed. I don't really use friend feed anymore. Ever since they changed it to now it's real-time updates, it, in my mind it's essentially destroyed what made friend feed great which was the conversations it used to be where things were everything was static so you'd actually get a chance to see stories and participate in the conversation now everything moves so fast that 
most of my stuff never gets commented on. Most other people's stuff never gets commented on. And really, it's become useless to me compared to Twitter, where I get a good amount of feedback on the stuff I post. So, as long as you just follow me at PCNerd37 on Twitter, I'm a happy person. And I do believe you are Wesley83 on Twitter, correct? Yes, I'm Wesley83 on Twitter as well as everywhere else on the web. Um, uh, once again, if you do follow me because of this podcast, please send me a hello and uh, that I can I can introduce myself and make sure that you're well taken care of on the Twitter. Uh, also, on a more business note, uh, I don't know how, if most people know here, but I work for a company that makes chips called AMD, and I'm in the software division and currently working on a project called Fusion Media Explorer, also called AMD Fusion Media Explorer. And uh, if you guys follow me on Twitter, let me know if you're interested, and I can see about getting you uh, some early cuts before we go release release it public to the release it public uh, to the wide unwashed Ooh, I masses. certainly want in on that. Um, anyway, if you have any uh, feedback or anything, you can at me with it on Twitter. You can email PCNerd37 at globalgeeknews.com or you can just stick them in the comments on the on globalgeeknews.com. Uh, also, any suggestions for future improvements for the show, whatever, you're welcome to do that as well. Um, I think that's pretty much it. There was one more thing that I wanted to say, but I cannot think of it. It was on the tip of my tongue, but now it's gone. Um, hmm. Well, I guess it wasn't that important. Hmm. See you next time. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, yeah, well, oh, yeah, tell your friends. I just, I was kind of sad when I saw the download numbers for this last month's podcast compared to the previous month. I mean, it, it dropped by like 70% or something like that. It made me very sad. So tell all your friends, tell all your family, and make sure you actually subscribe to the podcast. Don't just listen to it once, say you liked it, and go on. Subscribe to the podcast so that every time you a new show comes out, you can download it. And you can find the link for the actual podcast itself in the news post, I think it's like two lines down, it'll say like podcast feed and it's got a little RSS button. Click on that, that's the podcast feed. Put it into your iTunes, put it into your Zoom media uh, software, whatever. Just make sure you subscribe to the show and tell everybody you know about it. Scream it from the mountaintops and that's all we have for today. So for globalgeeknews.com, I am Jeremy Bray. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. <laughs>